Hello, church family. Uh, this is our last part of Esther chapter 7. If you recall, we were looking at the uh, kind of like the, the life lessons that we could learn from a failed Haman. Uh, we talked about how uh, success and riches can be gone in a moment. Uh, we see that in the life of Haman, how he uh, had all of these wealth and prestige and family and all of these things, but uh, he was the moment he was sentenced to death, none of them uh, were able to save him. Uh, the king wasn't able to, uh, it, was, it, was, it was over for him, basically. And none of the stuff he acquired in this life uh, had, have any, um, not even eternal significance, but even temporal significance. They had no weight to bail him out of trouble when he needed the most. Uh, so I, I remember uh, us just reminding us to not to pursue the things in this life uh, as if that's going to save us, but to trust in the Lord. Second, uh, we talk about how wicked people, success will come to an end. Uh, Haman was promoted uh, while Mordecai wasn't. And uh, I I went through a whole bunch of little verses from Proverbs and Psalms about how the wicked will eventually perish. perish. All of the things that they do, uh, no matter how much success they've acquired in this life, will eventually come to ruin. And uh, and for us to not pursue uh, or even be envious of those type of people that are wicked, uh, but to just continue to live humbly and faithfully to the Lord. And the Lord will reward us for our faithfulness, just as he will reward the wickedness for their, for their um, sin. Um, and then we talk about how we, don't, we, we shouldn't plant evil against one another. Haman plotted against, I mean, technically, Mordecai was his people in the sense that they're all the same citizen of, of Persia. Uh, so for him to do something like this, it's plotting against his own, his own neighbor, and I, I told us how we can't be like Haman in that way. And I gave some practical um, ways in which that shows up in our life, whether it's like gossip or cliques or bitterness or, or I guess even some ways like keeping the cold shoulder. These are all deliberate acts in our life, uh, plans in our hearts so that we cannot love those that hurt us. And I said how we be like David. David was someone who... Um, had opportunity to kill that his enemy, uh, but instead he chose to resist because he trusted in the Lord. Um, and we need to be like that. We need to be. Uh, we and I ended with Romans chapter twelve how we need to not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And today we're going to end with the last one in that uh, God is always there. God is always there. Although in this book, I've said it over and over again, Haman, Mordecai, or as if they've all failed to acknowledge Yahweh as the one true God, uh, this doesn't mean that God is gone. Uh, throughout this entire book, we see God place the right people at the right place at the right time, and uh, this goes hand in hand with man's responsibility, and um, in the end, his people were saved from extinction. And this is important to know because this is God keeping his promise uh, by sparing his people. And uh, the the unseen God is is working even in the doubt and the darkness and the dread. Though no one here is acknowledging God, all the people, all the Jews that were crying in confusion and were worried about their life, none of them actually cried out to the Lord. But God still protected His people. Um, and again, there's some here's some like background context to this in the book of Ezra and in Nehemiah. And more Ezra, but Cyrus actually gave a decree to everyone, all the Jews, and say, okay, you can go back to Judah. You can go back to the land that you're from. 
and some of the Jews chose not to go back. And the Jews we see here in the book of Esther is actually those Jews. They decide, oh, I don't want to go back to that ruin, burning a pile of you. I don't want to go back to Judah. I'd rather uh, stay here in, in Persia, in particular, specifically Susa, which is the capital of Persia. I'd rather stay here uh, and, and start a new life instead of going back to the land that God has uh, designated for them. So these people, that's why throughout the whole book I said that these guys are probably not believers because they have no desire for the things of the Lord. Uh, their natural disposition is that they want to find success in this life. Uh, and that's what Mordecai was doing the whole time with Esther by promoting her to the position of this beauty pageant so that he can get promoted and, and Esther became the queen. These are all people operating off of what they wanted to do and they just wanted to, to, to live. But little did they know that even though um, Haman wanted to kill them, God saw through their unfaithfulness and still was willing to protect them. Uh, and, you know, this should tell us if God is willing to spare the Jews, who were people that were against his law, who were unfaithful, how much more will he protect those that are his children? If God is still willing to protect those that are unfaithful because it's because his own character is on the line, how much more will he protect the church? How much more will he care for those that he predestined before the foundations of the world? We must take great heart knowing that, that our God watches over us, that this great God is watching over us, and we don't need to worry. We don't need to uh, be fearful of what the future may hold, because our Lord is a Lord that is always there. Um, God still protects us, even uh, in our moments of unfaithfulness, right? Like whereas these Jews in the Esther time were deliberately unfaithful, sometimes in our own sins, sins of um, omission, things that we uh, fail to do that's right. God's still so kind to us. Um, he died on the cross for us. He died. He paid for all of our sins. We're in a right standing with the Lord. He still answers our prayer regularly. Um, That's why Romans chapter 8, there are some people that thought that, oh, that they were under persecution. It must mean that um, God isn't with them anymore. But look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it's written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to slaughter. But all these things... We overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What fear do we have? There's nothing in this life that can separate us, and he's constantly caring for his people, and he's always there. Again, I said that the unseen God is working in the doubt, in the darkness, and in the dread. No matter where we are, some of us in this time of this COVID-19, we're just scared. You know, we feel like we're in the darkness, but yet Psalm 23 assures us that even if we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we do not need to fear because the Lord is with us. He is always there. This is the goodness of God. He is the omniscience of God. He is always watching over us, and he's working everything out for our good. Um, he's, he's doing all of these things, 
because it's supposed to strengthen our faith, cause us to be more humble and dependent on Him. And that's a great thing for us to have, to be able um, to have a God that's not just um, just hiding somewhere, but He's actually still um, working through the, the events in life um, to ultimately make us delight in Him so that we can be more like um, Christ. And when we're more like Christ, that's where we find our true joy. Our true joy is found um, not in the things of this world, but in the things of the Lord. Isaiah, um, Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, or 8 and 9, this is a familiar verse for all of us. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, is God speaking, nor my, nor are my, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, this is what is amazing about the Lord, is that He does things in our life that we may not fully understand, but everything that He does, as beyond us as, as it is, it is ultimately fulfilling his plan. And I think we see that even in this in this book. In this book, uh, God is preserving his people even though they are uh, unfaithful to him, even though the, uh, they are not acknowledging him. God still is working through these things. And again, in the grand scheme of things, he's protecting his line so that um, ultimately his son will come into the world. Um and even in the, his, in the life of Christ, every little detail uh, is is foreshadowed, is alluded to, and is fulfilled in Christ. There's nothing that happened in that happens in this world that um, that the Lord uh, somehow overlooks. This virus that we're going through is something that it's something that He planned in the in the, in the divine decree of the Lord. He allowed all of this to happen, and we can trust. Um, that the Lord is doing all of these things. And someday we will never, in this life we probably won't find out, but I'm sure in eternity when we ask him, what, why did the first several months of 2020, why was it so difficult? Um, and when the Lord shows us his, his, how he worked through everything, we'll praise him and marvel at his work. All the people that get saved, all the people that are more sanctified, all the people that... Um, all even the prep work for his uh, kingdom to come. Everything that happened, we're going to be uh, we're going to be amazed by how the Lord orchestrated every little detail to fit his end. William Cooper, he was a he was a Christian back in the uh, what, like the nineteen like early American times, and uh, he uh, when he was in his life he. At the time, they didn't really know it, but uh, if we were to diagnose him, we would say that he has depression. Uh, he was always just a really sad individual. Um, I think he was just whatever some whether it's some sort of imbalance or life trauma. Uh, he basically spent his whole life depressed. Uh, one particular instance that stood out to him uh, that made him super sad was that he was engaged to someone, and the night before the wedding, his dad made him call off the wedding and he actually attempted to kill himself multiple times 
but it wasn't until one of uh, one of his friends that was a Christian shared the gospel with him um, that he became saved. Um, now, granted, he was someone that ended up, even though he was saved, he still struggled with depression, and he did eventually to take his own life. But what made him famous, what made William Cooper famous, is actually that he became a hymn writer. Um, when he was struggling with these bouts of depression, um, he found that those moments was when he um, wrote the best hymns. In fact, there's a phrase that we're familiar with, even though we may not realize it actually came from this hymn. It's this hymn called God Moves in a Mysterious Way. And here, and I, and I want to end this chapter by reading uh, parts of this hymn. It begins this, it, here's the hymn. God moves in a mysterious way. He wanders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unsearchable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break. And blessings and blessings and blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. As we think about our life now, no matter how hard things are, I want us to recall this little line from this from this hymn. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. And if you imagine yourself being the one of these Jews at the time hearing this edict that you're going to be exterminated, you can't help but wonder, is God behind all this? And as Christians, we have this canon of scripture. We know that God was behind the, them during the time of Esther, and he is still behind uh, every little thing that's happening on now. In the moment we reach eternity, when we see how everything works, we can we will understand and see his smiling face. Let's close our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to um, go through this chapter in particular and be reminded of uh, your goodness through providence. And as we um, think about even the life of Haman, uh, the negative example, uh, may we be people that um, strive to walk diligently, that... Um, that we have a, a, a reminder and sober uh, reality that the, the rich and the success people, the success that we acquire in this life will, can be gone in an instant. Uh, and we strive now also uh, not to uh, envy those that are wicked, knowing that they will have their end. And we also strive in our heart to not hold any evil and, and plan evil against one another, but rather we put off those sinful attitudes put on Christ-likeness. Lord, may we always be reminded that you are always there in the darkest times in our lives and the time where we're um, scared and the time where we're uh, most desperate, that we can always count on you knowing that you are God that's always there. Be with us this weekend. Allow us to uh, just continue to walk closely with you every time we're separated from the church body, Lord. Thank you for this time we have. Pray these things your son's name.